Welcome to the Tiny Podcast Project, a Sin Media production in association with Hindenburg, made by young people for young people. We'd like to let you know that this episode discusses themes which may be upsetting or triggering for some audience members. So if you have any concerns, our content warnings can be found in the show notes down below. Enjoy the show. Hey, my name is Kira and today we are going to discuss the Y2K princess of pop, Britney Spears. Now, this probably doesn't seem like it relates to the theme delivery at all, but I love music. So when I saw the word delivery, my mind instantly went to vocal delivery. And who has more iconic pop vocals than Britney? She's kind of been on my mind lately because there's been a lot of discussion around the hashtag Free Britney movement, which is a whole other thing you should search up because it is super interesting, but also the record label control she was under, especially surrounding her artistic image and persona. So we all know Britney for these very breathy, nasally vocals buried under layers and layers of autotune that make her sound so clean that most people think that she has no vocal talent at all. But what's kind of funny is that when you look at older videos when she was like in her childhood, she can belt like so amazingly. It's kind of crazy how her voice almost seems like it's gotten worse or like regressed over time rather than becoming some sort of powerhouse akin to someone like Christina Aguilera. Here's a clip of her singing on Star Search when she was only 10 years old. And here's a clip of her performing her debut single, Baby One More Time. And pretty much over the span of her nine albums, she's managed to get more and more high-pitched and auto-tuned. This was kind of the origins of that really like typical Britney voice that we've come to know and I guess love and love to hate. Critics and fans call this tone her baby voice, which sounds like super infantilizing, but yeah, why did Britney get the baby voice? Where did the baby voice come from? The most likely answer is Max Martin. He's a massive producer that's had over 20 number one hits and has worked with pretty much any pop star you could think of. It's said that when she first started working with Max and signed to Jive Records, the retraining process took about a year, where she worked on restraining her voice to get it to like a more sensual tone, um, which has manifested into this baby voice. Britney first used this new voice in the song Baby One More Time, which we just played. 
the music video features her in this sort of sexy schoolgirl getup. She's got the pigtails with these little fluffy pink things in them. She's got the bra popping out of the shirt, the whole deal. Arguably, the styling in this video is incredibly cool and has been so influential for new artists like Charlie XDX, but that is besides the point. Upon its release, People Magazine reviewed the music video as, and I quote, Britney as this glorified 1950s high school cheerleader with an undertone of perverse 90s sexuality, who is simultaneously wholesome and ripely sensual. Ew. She's (laughs) ripely. Such a weird word. Anyway, she's Lolita on aerobics. NME magazine said that Britney knew exactly how men's grubby little minds worked and that the music video had a Lolita creepiness. So who is this Lolita girl and why does she keep getting bored up? Well, for those who don't know, she is a character from a really old book also called Lolita, self-titled. She's, I think, only 12 in the book, but she's the love interest of this really creepy dude and he claims that she seduced him and that's basically what the book is about um yeah it's it's messed up it's very messed up but it's become a classic and there's been multiple film adaptions of it and stuff like that to the degree that Lolita has become this sort of icon and trope for the representation of girls and women under the male gaze obviously that are seen as flirtatious and alluring yet still youthful and girly at the same time Um, mostly underage girls, side note. I want to talk about this thesis that I read by a philosopher called Emma Mayhew, I hope I said that correctly, um, where she talks about female pop stars and their gendered identities. She goes into these four different categories, such as the femme fatale, the mother, the androgynous and the girl. I feel like Britney's early stuff really falls into the girl category. I'm doing air quotes here because it's it's not that she's a girl, it's the category of girl, um, which Emma explains as, and I'll quote her directly a bit here because it's a lot easier, but she says it represents femininity as childlike and therefore alluring and mischievous, yet ultimately unthreatening. She also talks about the girl as part of the femme fatale, which if you don't know what a femme fatale is, it's again another trope that's like a seductress. And this is ultimately because youth, especially the youth of women, is so coveted in Western society. Just think like this is the reason why anti-aging cream ads and stuff like that are literally shoved down our throats. And by our throats, I mean women's throats because I haven't seen any, well many men's anti-aging cream ads, but Maybe I'm just out of touch. I'm probably wrong. But in general, gendered beauty marketing is very outdated and that is a whole other discussion. But back to Emma. She makes very good points. And if this is the narrative Britney's label wanted to insert her into, it's clearer to see why her original vocal delivery had to be changed. It's the exact opposite of this. It's not demure and girlish. It's big and fierce. Like, if I heard that clip of Kid Britney without knowing it was her, I would seriously think it was some grown Broadway star. And I'm sure grown Broadway star wasn't a very cute and marketable thing for late 90s teens, I can imagine. Um, Which brings me to my last point. Okay, this is not my TED Talk on how Britney sold her soul is inauthentic, whatever. 
Any public persona is a constructor to some degree. And when you're a pop star under a major label, especially back in the late 90s and early 2000s, you are practically a blank canvas that your team will paint on however they see fit. And it worked for her. I don't need to give you stats on album sales or whatever because we all know she was massive. She is the princess of pop. She's inspired the likes of Kesha, Carly Rae Jepsen and more emerging artists like Rina Sawayama and Slater, which if you haven't listened to either of those artists, you should because they are doing some really cool stuff. So to conclude, Britney may well have been a cog in the pop machine, but don't hate the player, hate the game. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, Britney Spears and the Baby Voice by me, Kira Varesi. You can follow me on Instagram at chaoticgood and that is chaotic with two eyes underscore good because I'm cool and edgy and chaotic with one eye was taken. <laughs> Anyway, the audio used in chronological order includes an excerpt from the video titled Little Britney Spears at Star Search, Love Can Build a Bridge, uploaded to YouTube by Jamie Diogardi, 90s pop beat by Nakoi Speaks, Britney Spears' Baby One More Time, live from Apple Music Festival, London, 2016, uploaded to Britney Spears' official YouTube channel, and Wide Eyes by Chad Crouch. Britney Spears and the Baby Voice was recorded and produced on the stolen land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nations. I would like to pay my respect to the elders and traditional owners of this land. Sovereignty was never ceded. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. 